Welcome to Creating the Good with AARP Illinois, a show with inspiring people who we hope will inspire you. And now, your hosts, Bob Gallo and Rosanna Marquez. Hi, I'm Rosanna Marquez, State President of AARP Illinois, and sitting in for Bob this week is a very special co-host, Alvaro Obregón. You may remember Alvaro from the episode last season when we interviewed the mariachi legend, Victor Pichardo. We're excited to be here with you. Welcome as we continue the second season of our radio show, Creating the Good with ARP Illinois. We're talking with some fascinating folks who are making a big difference in their local communities. It's great to be here with you, Rosanna. On the program today, we're highlighting this wonderful bilingual, bicultural organization right here in Chicago that serves as a community health center for Latinos and other residents of the city by providing access to quality health care that doesn't break the bank. The group is called Alivio Medical Center, and they also do so much more. So I'm really looking forward to speaking with them. And by so much more, we mean line dancing, computer training, a ton of programs for the young and young at heart, Chicagoans alike. Let's get right to it. We have two guests from Alivio today. Esther Corpus is CEO, and she has more than three decades of experience in the healthcare field. Sue Vega is programs manager at Alivio, where she oversees the Casa Maravilla program, which we'll hear more about. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Yes, thank you, Esther and Sue. Let's start with uh, Esther. Esther, can you tell our listeners exactly what does the word alivio mean? And how is this how is this uh, meaning significant for you? Well, let me uh, begin by thanking uh, Rosanna and Alvaro for inviting Alivio to the table. Uh, we are, um, you're one of our most valued and treasured partners. And so we are really happy to participate. So Alivio means to take care of or to heal. And in the case of pregnancies, um, aliviar means to deliver or to have your baby. And uh, at Alivio, we do just that. We, we take care of um, everyone from children to older adults. And we, we take care of them in a way that's holistic, uh, making sure that um, we make them feel better um, and address all of their um, physical healthcare needs, but also emotional um, needs as well. Tell us more about Alivio Medical Center and, you know, what is it and when was it founded and by whom? And also why it was founded, because I think that's very important. Sure. So Alivio um, is what we call a federally qualified health center. Some folks know it as an FQHC. And what that means is that um, we have a partnership with the federal government that allows us to provide low cost, high quality health care. Um, there's a lot of um, quality measures that we must comply with, making sure that our patients um, are being, um, you know, seen in a high quality environment, checking their uh, diabetes, making sure that they um, folks get their annual screenings, prostate exams, and and um, breast health, and and making sure that um, our, our children are getting vaccinated. Um, we were founded um, in 1989 
the project itself, which was called Project Alivio, started in the early 80s. And it was um, it was a creation um, by a woman, uh, Carmen Velasquez, who is a senior citizen. She is 82 years old, um, a very young senior, those of you who may know her that are on this radio show. And she saw the need uh, for quality health care, um, high quality health care at a low and affordable cost. Um, and at that time, um, in the Pilsen community, we um, she saw the need because there wasn't a place for patients to go that were undocumented. And so um, as an FQHC, we must uh, care for anyone who walks through our doors, regardless of their uh, legal status, their ability to pay, uh, sexual orientation. Um, we must see everyone that walks through our doors. And, and it's something that we don't feel it's a burden. It's something that we, we embrace. And um, the reason Carmen, you know, again, um, saw the need to, to create a center like Alivio was because um, there wasn't places for folks to go that, that was clean. You go to our facilities, it's, it's comprehensive. We offer everything from primary care services to dental services, behavioral health. We have a full, full uh, service pharmacy. We have um, a lot of uh, what we call wrap services like nutritionists and uh, diabetic educators and community health workers, our promotoras who are in the community educating um, our community and our, our, our neighborhood. So it's it's kind of a one-stop place that folks can go. Um, and as Sue will describe about her services, uh, we do also have an emphasis on um, our older population. We do have a full-time geriatrician um, who has been trained to take care of older adults. And so we are um, very happy and privileged to be able to provide these services to our community. I think that that's one of the, the, the wonderful things about Alivio, right? That, that that's part of your, that's ingrained in your DNA, if you will, that everybody should be, um, should have access to high quality healthcare and that they should be treated with, with dignity. So congratulations uh, for that work that you do. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about, you know, how Alivio is different from a, from a hospital in a major city like Chicago. And, you know, um, you talked a little bit about who you serve already, um, you know, but maybe tell us a little bit more. And, you know, if they get to you, if they choose Alivio, what is it that they, uh, what is it they, they get with Alivio? Yeah, so um, we're different than a hospital. Um, for one thing, you know, hospitals focus mostly on inpatient care. Again, so sorry to interrupt. I do notice a bit of an echo uh, when Alvaro specifically speaks. So I think that it'd be best um, while, again, we discussed this a little bit ago, but when you're not speaking, if you could mute yourself. Um, so Rosanna and Esther, if you could also do that. It's <laughs> also doing that already. Thank you so much. But I do notice a bit of an echo and it is making it a little bit hard to understand what Alvaro is saying. So we don't have to go back and re-say anything. I just don't want it to get any worse. Okay. And again, so sorry for interrupting. No, no, no. I'll just pick up from um, where you, you asked the question and I'll, I'll. So again, um, Alivio Medical Center, we're a primary care provider. Um, hospitals uh, tend to focus on um, more specialty care and inpatient care um, and have a lot more um, in the way of technology like diagnostics. Um, but hospitals are very important to us because obviously we must partner and have strong um, hospital partnerships 
in the event that our patients need to be hospitalized. But it's our responsibility to try to keep folks healthy and out of the hospital. And we do that by making sure that they have all of that preventative care. Um, and also, I think, you know, one of the things that we see, and I worked at a hospital for um, close to 30 years, um, those are large institutions. And many of our patients that we serve have fear of going to large institutions and 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 it can sometimes be a barrier if you don't have someone at the front desk or a nurse that speaks their language, understands their culture, um, it can be very daunting. And at Alivio, it's it's much more of a family atmosphere and a much, I call us sort of a boutique where everybody um, at Alivio is bilingual, bicultural, um, including we have uh, several providers that um, speak four languages. We have uh, three providers that speak um, Chinese, Spanish, English. Um, and so it's, it's, we're very close to Chinatown, our Morgan location. And so we really try to provide services in a, in a bicultural way uh, to make folks feel comfortable, especially um, in the immigrant community. Trust is, is huge and um, they must have that trust in order for them to feel comfortable and to open up and share what they're going through and for us to do our job in, a, in, a, um, in the best way that we can. That's wonderful. Uh, that's wonderful, Esther. And you know, one of the things that, that Alivio is known for, right? You know, some, some places are, are waiting for people to come to them, but Alivio also goes right into the community. And that's one of the things that that I highly respect, you know, your involvement in community and, you know, um, you know, taking some of these, these things to the most vulnerable with programs such as uh, Promotoras de Salud or the healthcare advocates. You did this even during the pandemic. Um, how were you able to and how's it going now? Yeah, so, um doing uh, work in the community even during the pandemic was was just as important. Uh, there was a lot of fear. Um, we had early on, you know, there was a lack of testing uh, being done in the community and um, still there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy. So as you mentioned, um, Alvaro, we do have um, community health workers or promotoras who are out every day um, in the community, uh, going to churches, going to health fairs, going to Swaparama on Sundays uh, to, um, as you mentioned, you know, take, you know, the information to the community and the services to the community. Um, during the pandemic, we also did um, vaccines. We still do vaccines at home for those um, individuals that um, have difficulty getting uh, to a vaccination location. Um, and primarily those are our seniors or folks that might have um, some other medical issue that prevents them from, you know, getting out and taking the bus or, or having someone that can take them uh, to a vaccination site. So yes, Alivio doesn't um, sit on their hands waiting for patients to come to us. We will go to you. And, um, and you know, I, I will have to say that um, some of the good things that have come out of the pandemic is, is um, virtual uh, visits. Um, such as what we're doing, you know, um, and, and that has really helped um, for people that have, especially with our behavioral health programs, um, making sure that folks um, can still receive that care even during a pandemic. So um, yes, we, we, we are definitely out there doing home visits or doing whatever we need to do. 
And I think that if I could just get you to, to maybe, you know, or expound just a little bit or, or, or tell us a little bit more. I think it's so important, right? I mean, I, I heard you, Esther. I, I heard your voice on some of those those calls, right, with, with the city and talking about how important it is to to have trusted voices and being in community, you are a trusted voice, right? Because it's one thing to hear, you know, to turn on the TV and hear the people with the with the titles, right? But it's completely different to hear it from from somebody who you know. And those are your promotoras. Those are your the people that are on the ground. Yes, absolutely. And I have to tell you that um, Alivio has had um, promotoras from the very beginning. And um, initially, I have to say, even a lot of our providers felt like, you know, where do they fit in on the healthcare team? But what we have found out is that, um, like, as one patient said, es como si estoy hablando con mi comadre. It's like I'm, I'm talking to my, you know, my comadre. And that is, that is the effect that they have. You know, it's, um, and many of our, our promotoras might have had diabetes. They went through our diabetes education program, lost the weight, got their A1C levels down to a level where, where it needed to be. And then they can share their story and how they achieved those goals. And, you know, it's, it's much easier for them to have that kind of a conversation with a diabetic um, than a physician who isn't a diabetic, you know, to say to them, you got to lose weight, don't eat so many tortillas. But, you know, the community health worker who she herself may have been a diabetic can say, I know it was hard and this is the way I did it. And it's okay if, if it takes you time because uh, it does. And, you know, if you fall off the wagon and you, you gain a couple pounds or your A1C level goes up, it's okay. Um, and so I think, you know, we, we have found um, that not only our promotoras, but our nurses and our medical assistants and, and folks like Sue and her team, um, they they have that trust um, and that rapport uh, with you know the folks that we serve, and that is so so key um, in compliance and getting people to come back and to trust you. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, so so let's switch gears a little bit. And Sue, uh, tell us uh, what Casa Maravilla is, and specifically, you know, tell us what the words mean and give us some of the history of Casa Maravilla. Sure. Um, so um, Casa Maravilla is, um, it's actually a, a building that is just north of Alivio Medical Center on 21st and Morgan. So we are at 2021 South Morgan. And Casa Maravilla is the name for the building that the Resurrection Project developed. Um, and it is 73 units of low to moderate income housing for seniors, for people 55 and older. And I, I believe that Esther was on the board uh, when this happened, um, but we are located on a piece of land that used to belong to Alivio. Um, and uh, about 12, 13 years ago, the Resurrection Project leadership approached Carmen and said, we'd like to buy that land. You see what's going on. Um, we'd like to see if we can develop the property into affordable units so that people who want to stay in the community will be able to afford to stay in the community. And Carmen and the board said, yeah, 
let's talk about it. Um, but at least some of the development has to be housing for seniors. Um, and, uh, and, and this actually, this effort to have housing for seniors in Pilsen goes back much, much earlier than that time. Um, there's a picture, uh, a photograph in the uh, reception area where there is a group of about 50 older adults who went down to Springfield uh, to advocate for senior housing in Pilsen. And the date on that is 1993. So this has been an ongoing effort. We've been at it for a long time. Um, the senior center is located on the east half of the first floor or 7,000 square feet um, and it is a public-private um, uh, relationship with the Resurrection Project who owns the property, the city of Chicago who built out, oh, actually the Resurrection Project built out the senior center to the specifications of the city and we have managed it. We have managed a senior center since we opened our doors in February of 2011. Yes, so we've been here now um, almost 12 years. Um, and um, maravilla means to marvel, to marvel at. Um, and it is a maravilla. Uh, we are so happy to be here on a day-to-day -day basis to provide the kind of support um, that older adults need in this community. Um, people who are familiar with Pilsen know that there are lots of challenges, and we're help to we're here to help them uh, here help people in the community try to meet those challenges. Yeah, a very 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 impressive and very unique partnership. Um, uh, so, how many older adults do you help at Casa Maravilla? So we have a number of uh, benefits and enrollment um, activities that happen here at the Senior Center too. Prior to the pandemic, we were also out at a dozen um, other community sites where our intent was to have the services closer to where people live so that they didn't have to come all the way out here. Well, of course, all of that changed with the pandemic. So we have been doing a lot of things virtually and the senior, the senior center programming had effectively stopped until very recently. So we um, help people with um, information and application assistance and post-enrollment assistance for the Affordable Care Act for Medicaid, for county care, for Medicare, and all its parts. We are a senior health insurance program site, um, and we also uh, do outreach and enrollment for the Affordable Care Act. We do SNAP applications, more local applications as well. So we see about 2,000 people per year in that capacity. Um, and we've been doing it for about 17 years and a very, very modest, um, very conservative estimate is that anybody that we help, we generally save them about $1,000 a year. So if you do the math, that's a lot of money 
that stays in people's pockets and that they can spend in the community. And, you know, and building community is part of what we want to do as well. Um, and people who come for the social programs for wellness and fitness and life enrichment, we see about 6,000 people. Or we used to. We're, we're just starting back up and uh, we hope to be at pre-pandemic levels before the end of next year. Yeah, so those are those are pretty impressive numbers and, and a lot of what we've just been talking about are, are what you do to help connect people to the services that they need. But as you just alluded to, you also offer some fun and enriching programs, right? Talk a little bit about those. Right. Uh, well, because Maravilla, it is uh, a 55 plus building and not a 62 plus building. And because when we started, you know, there were a significant number of older adults, but the older adults in our community tended to be younger, older people. Uh, of course, now that we've been doing it, you know, for almost 20 years, that has changed. For example, I wasn't eligible for any programming when we first started, now I am for the full menu. <laughs> um, so uh, our folks like to dance and um, we have been involved in a couple of research programs that have turned into uh, full-blown dance programs. We did um, a project with a researcher at the University of Illinois um, and uh, we have the BILA program. Um, so these programs are evidence-based, chronic disease self-management, the whole, the whole smash, right? You know, that's mm -hmm. what we all talk about these days. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a folkloric dance group. Um, and one of their, their best things was to uh, perform all over the city anytime they could. Um, uh, so it's about being active. Uh, prior to the uh, pandemic um, restrictions, we had just started um, very purposefully looking at all the observances in the year and trying to make sure that more people in the community understood that these programs are for them. Uh, one of the things that happens is that people would walk by and say, oh, that's where the old people live. And thinking that it is, um, that we are somehow a nursing, a nursing home or something like that. So um, one of the things that changed two years ago is that the city of Chicago formally um, started funding us to be the operator. And so we were really in a place where we we're gonna be able to do a lot more outreach to the community and say, hey, come and see us, yeah, come and meet us. Um, we're not who you think we are. Um, and, and very intentionally to include as many people as possible. Um, so we hope to be back to that very soon. Mm -hmm. and, and, and indeed to, to that, um, your, are your programs, uh, these programs are actually open to people of, of, of all ages or certainly uh, of people well beyond just the 55 plus, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, uh, so obviously the benefits enrollment programs um, uh, are are for people of any age. The things that are funded by the, by the city are sometimes pretty specific. Um, but uh, 
the life enrichment programs include things like monthly celebrations um, where we hope to be doing things around Black History Month, uh, Asian American History Month, so that we can look at um, ways to help people understand that we have much more in common uh, than, uh, than our differences, but to celebrate those differences, to help people understand that they represent the best of their culture and that we want to share in that. Um, there's a lot of work to do around that, and we believe that if the seniors do it, then the sons and daughters and the grandchildren and the grandchildren will be more open to that as well. Because we do look to older adults to help us understand the world around us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by the way, what, what's your favorite activity to get involved in, in you know, with the community? Yeah, I tell people that this may not be my last job. Um, uh, I'm looking not too far over the horizon to uh, retirement. And um, what I tell people is, it may not be my last job, but it may be my second to the last job. Because my last job, I want to plan the trips and get on the bus. <laughs> so those are the kinds of things that I look forward to. Um, I, I, I think it's... Um, um, sad a lot of times that our seniors, but not just our seniors, other people in the community don't understand the richness of our community, don't understand everything that the city of Chicago and our own little clusters of communities have that can really enrich their lives. And so anything that helps people learn and to get out of themselves and to help them understand what their contributions are and how important they are, uh, are things that accept me. Um, we're, uh, we're working on ways to try to connect people from the community to local businesses, to help them support the businesses that we know have suffered. Uh, and who were also um, uh, disproportionately impacted during the pandemic. Um, so, things that connect people, programs that help people learn about themselves, or cultures, those are the things that really uh, turn me on, as they say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do, do you have a, a favorite story or two about some of the people who've uh, participated in these programs? Yeah, I do. Um, uh, and when I started at Alivio, um, we were looking at different ways to have an impact and the health and well-being of older adults. For a while, we did a program called, and we still refer people to it and, and help people get involved in it, uh, called Tomando um, Control de Su Salud, which is a chronic disease self-management program. And there was a woman who came to see me because she had just turned 65 and she was um, going to be uh, enrolling in Medicare. And so her doctor, it was Dr. Soros, who was also my doctor at the time, uh, referred her to us and we helped her out quite a bit. And then we had this other program that was just starting. So it's a six week program where people from the community 
that are led by class leaders who are trained for specific techniques, uh, work with people from the community to um, confront the issues and barriers to health and set goals and come back and report. So there's lots of group work and we continue to do programs like that. So that woman who came to me, she was so sad that she was turning 65. She was so sad that she had just gotten uh, diagnosed with diabetes. Two months later, she was a different woman, just a completely different woman. And now, 15 years later, she's dancing Baile Folklorico. Um, and, and she had everything that she needed. She was a retired educator. She had been in the Catholic school system for a long time, but she kind of lost touch with that part of herself. And from working with the group, they all reinforced it. And, you know, and, it, and, and I have to admit that, you know, when I was introduced to chronic disease self-management programs, I said, okay, so six weeks that will change your life. Yes, they do. Um, and, uh, and so those kinds of successes lead to more success. Um, and, uh, and it just makes you want to keep trying harder to bring more services and resources for our folks. I, I love those stories. It's <laughs> you cool. Just, you just it's, got me all choked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a big mo motivator. Um, before we uh, go any, any further, you know, kind of away from that, one of the things that we also did here during the pandemic, we became a vaccine site. Um, so we were vaccinating, we had thousands and thousands of older adults come and get vaccinated when they uh, were eligible when the vaccine first came out. And those folks advocated with their sons and daughters to bring them to us when they were first eligible. And they are getting in line as with their children and their grandchildren. And, you know, to be able to have a positive impact on that was really important to us. And one of the things that we are learning, and, and it's interesting, you know, to see what AARP can do in terms of bringing some of the experiences um, together in a way that we can analyze and see what worked and why it worked. But one of the things that we are learning is that uh, vaccine plus community health worker has a great, great impact in the community. The information and the person giving it to you will make sure that you get the shot in the arm. Um, and um, they are essential. Um, uh, I, I, and we're very grateful that there are so many people now on the bandwagon. We always knew their value, um, and it's great to see the rest of the world catching up. Yeah, and you yeah, used, and you used a, a, um, a word there. You, you, said, um, you said advocate. And so I want to ask, you know, Esther, a little bit about uh, how Alivio Medical Center plays that advocacy role in community. Um, so if you can tell us, you know, some of those issues you've been working on 
including helping to pass a bill in the state that would expand Medicaid eligibility to undocumented residents as young as 55 years of age. Can you can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Alivio, um, when it was founded, um, advocacy was always one of our pillars and always will be, as well as workforce development, making sure that we have future um, healthcare workers. Um, but yes, advocacy is important. Um, two years ago, uh, we were the first in the nation uh, to pass a bill. And when I say we, um, when Carmen retired, our founder, Carmen Velasquez retired, um, you know, when you, you asked Sue what she's going to do when she retires, it was not her last job either. So she, um, you know, <clears throat> she said, you know, I don't want to get in, I don't want to get in your way, Esther, you know, like at Olivia, she never wanted mixed messages sent to the staff. But she said, I have a lot, I have some unfinished business. And that is, we feel that everyone should have access to healthcare, every single person, it's a human right. And so um, I said, you know, Carmen, we, we need to be more organized about how we how we approach this. And so uh, Healthy Illinois was um, was founded um, by Carmen and by, you know, um, the efforts of 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 um, about six of us starting out. All of us had full time jobs. But but um, so Healthy, Healthy Illinois was formed. It took us um, about seven years to, to pass this bill. And as Alvaro said, it. It um, allows um, seniors, um, regardless of their, their legal status, there are certain um, um, financial eligibility requirements, but legal status is no longer a barrier. Um, 65 and older was, was the first bill that passed in um, May of, of uh, 2020. Um, today, in, uh, from that bill, we have over 7,000 um, individuals currently um, enrolled and there's another 14,000 that are eligible. Um, this past uh, spring session, we um, took another another bite at the apple, so to speak, and we were able to pass a bill that um, now allows 55 and above. That goes into effect in May, um, but we are, you know, beginning to because there's a lot of education that has like just having talking about it on this show. Um, you know, Sue at the Enrollment Center does a lot of work, and so do our health promoters, educating folks on um, what that covers. And it covers just about everything except for long-term uh, care, like a nursing home. Uh, but it's pretty rich in its benefits. And, um, you know, we saw, especially during the pandemic, so many folks that were um, lost their jobs. Um, and if you don't have a job, you know, we're seeing our, our, our population works much older than I, I think the average population. So they're working well into their 70s, sometimes 80s. And I'm talking like working hard, hard jobs as essential workers, got no no health benefits. They didn't get, you know, any uh, stimulus checks, uh, but they had no health insurance. And so, um, you know, we feel that this is a, a, a big win for us and, and uh, something that, you know, everyone deserves um, to have health care. And it helps certainly alleviate because we, as as I've mentioned, we never turn our backs on anyone that walks through our doors, but it makes my job a lot harder when we don't get paid for care, right? I mean, we're still seeing patients with the same resources and, you know, um, we didn't stop seeing patients uh, during the pandemic. We, we um, saw them maybe differently. And if I can share a few things that we did, um, I mentioned telehealth, but 
um, a lot of our patients that um, have chronic diseases were managed from home with a remote patient with a remote monitor. They were hypertensive. If they had a smartphone, they could Bluetooth with their with their blood pressure cuff, which we gave them through a grant. And then, you know, their physician could monitor them from the office um, as long as they were taking their blood pressure. And we could see, you know, if um, if their blood pressure was controlled, then maybe we don't need to see you um, in three months as long as we keep looking at you. Now, if it spikes, we're, then we want to see you, you know, come in the office. So um, we, we continued um, to see folks during the pandemic. And, um, you know, with our seniors, um, actually with all of our patients, but I think... I was I was most touched by our seniors in that, um, you know, they really suffered um, with um, anxiety and and just feeling isolated, not being able to uh, leave their homes, um, not seeing their grandchildren um, or their children. Um, many of them say, you know, would say, well, I look out the window all day, you know, or if it's the weather's nice, they get to sit on the porch. But it was very difficult. Um, and so um, we saw a huge increase in our behavioral health uh, services. Um, and uh, luckily, you know, that's a service that you can do pretty, uh, pretty easily um, with, with, a, um, with a device like a, like a laptop or a smartphone. And even though our seniors um, were not maybe very technology savvy, what we saw was their grandkids would help them get on, on, on the computer or on their iPad or their phone, and then they would walk out of the room. And so um, it, it was a beautiful thing to see that generational um, help from, um, you know, for our seniors. So, um, so that's um, a lot of the advocacy. We also did a lot of advocacy around community health workers because um, community health workers, as much as we value them, um, they don't get paid for the work that they do, and we think that that's a shame. So there was another bill passed this this uh, past uh, session where community health workers will get paid uh, for the work that they do. Um, the health centers and hospitals that they work at will receive some form of reimbursement, which will help us keep them employed. Because what we saw would happen um, is that we would get a grant, and the grant would end, and and then you know we we always um, tried to you know, keep them and find, you know, funding sources for them. But, you know, sometimes there was an interruption in, in their employment and uh, we hate to see that. So I feel like community health workers are finally getting uh, valued and they're getting, um, you know, uh, the respect that they deserve for, for their profession because it is a profession and, um, and, and, and they're, they're a very important part of the, the healthcare team. Absolutely. And, you know, and some of the things that you that you talked about um, really hit home. Right. Um, my mom, she retired at 72 after working 40 years in a factory. Right. And the reason she retired was because I said to her, you know, yeah, yes. Yes. Tiempo. I mean, her body literally, you know, uh, the last time she had injured herself, they told her she may never walk again. Right. And so at 72, I saw her struggling to to go to work and, and she didn't drive. So in the dead of winter, she was going and waiting for the bus and waiting for a train. And I said, you know, yeah, yeah, that's it. And so, you know, and it resonates also like the other part that you just said. Right. The, the mental health aspect of it. 
I can count Esther on this hand um, how many times she has gone out, like out, out, you know, other than to the doctor um, since the start of the pandemic. And that has a tremendous effect on on individuals. So kudos to Alivio Medical Center for, for, for looking into this aspect that that people aren't looking at or people forget about that mental health aspect of it not having contact with other human beings is is not natural right and and so uh the fact that you're looking at that i think um uh, more than just you know sometimes people think of the body but you know the the the, the mental uh the, is the mind is part of of the body as well and we need to we need to take care of that um as well so thank you very much and anything else up uh coming up that we should be paying attention to from uh the advocacy standpoint um well um you know again we're we're not satisfied with 55 and above we want to see everybody have have uh access to healthcare because we feel it's it's really important um and um you know we we also feel that um you know Behavioral health is, we, we, we don't get a large reimbursement for behavioral health and we're doing a lot more of it. And so, and this goes for a, across the board. Um, we saw we saw our children too, um, you know, um, struggle, uh, you know, remote learning, um, not going to school, not having the socialization either with, um, with other children or with their grandparents, um, you know, ha has been hard. And so, um, you know, seeing, um, you know, more um, services and more funding for emotional health, behavioral health is really um, equally as important. And um, um, we also at Alivio, we have a new site um, that will be opening in two years at 44th and Cicero. It's going to be um, a very comprehensive site. And, um, you know, we, we will have other services that we're currently not offering at, um, at the other allevial sites and that, I mean, um, uh, diagnostics, um, CAT scans, uh, a breast center for women, um, you know, uh, general radiology services. And it's, it's keeping in the tradition that we feel um, as much as we can offer um, in the community rather than traipsing down to a hospital, which, you know, you got to travel there, you got to pay for parking, it's you get lost, and um, they may not speak your language. Um, so, you know, if we can offer those services um, in the community, uh, we are also going to be offering, um, you know, because workforce is really important to us too, having a learning center with um, a local um, uh, university or college. Um, so that we can develop our workforce for the future, but also for seniors. I know at Sioux, um, they have a computer lab. Um, sometimes seniors, you know, especially during the pandemic, they use Facebook, right? I mean, I, I have so many, um, some of, a lot of my uh, friends that are older adults are now on Facebook because that's how they they socialize, right? And so um, Sue always had that lab where we could, they could create a Facebook account for them. So we want to do those kinds of things to help our seniors adapt to technology. So that'll be a big part of this, this new um, uh, campus. And it'll also have housing, which will include senior housing as well. A grocer, you know, because um, one thing that we, we, all, we all have heard about the social determinants of health and how that has affected us during the pandemic, housing, food, um, healthcare, 
um, and, you know, recreation. So there'll be, you know, recreational activities for them. Um, we're going to have a rooftop that'll have like a garden that we hope a lot of our seniors will have, you know, play a role in that. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's, what's coming on the horizon for Alivio. So it's, it's even during the pandemic, we, we have, um, kept ourselves busy and have looked to the future. That's a lot on your plate, <laughs> I have to say, but the need, but right, the need is, is there and the community, um, you know, d demands it or, you know, it's, it's the need is clearly there. Um, so, um, well, well, this is a really interesting and important topic. Um, we are going to take a short break and look forward to continuing our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Creating the Good with AARP Illinois. We'll be right back. Today is your day to make a difference. AARP is here in Illinois working hard to make it an even better place to live, work, and play. You can help us too. Get involved as an AARP volunteer. Help advocate for the issues that matter in our state and community, which could improve the quality of life for yourself and the people around you. For more information on ways you can get involved in your local community, visit aarp.org il. And we're back. You're listening to Creating the Good with AARP Illinois. I'm Rosanna Marquez, and I'm here today with my co-host, Alvaro Obregón, who's sitting in for Bob Gallo. We've been speaking with Esther Corpus and Sue Vega of the Alivio Medical Center in Chicago. Um, let me ask you, Esther, um, how do you do outreach to the community and make sure that residents, um, especially those who may not speak English, know about what's offered and don't fall through the cracks? So um, we, we definitely rely a lot on our community health workers who are in the community um, doing educational programs, whether it be at a health fair or um, I know during the pandemic, they were going to the laundromats to do um, education because that's where people were at. Um, so in, in, in many ways, uh, unconventional areas that you wouldn't think we would be at, um, churches, um, schools, um, and um, also um, doing a lot of um, these sorts of um, outreach activities too. Um, I know our community health workers and our physicians, we have um, uh, Dr. Leo, who's one of our, our pediatricians because we, we just started um, providing vaccines for, for children. Um, she does a lot both in Chinese and, and, and Spanish and English um, on Facebook and uh, conducting uh, educational programs at schools for parents. So we do a lot of that. And I know that, um, you know, um, Sue a lot of times use, um, has her seniors uh, advocate with the younger kids because there is that, that you know, our, our, we have a lot of respect uh, for our seniors in our culture. We, we always respect our elders. And so um, our seniors are great advocates for um, educating the younger population on different things that are happening, such as, you know, getting vaccinated. Um, so we, we do a lot of outreach with, um, with all of our, our employees um, uh, every day. Um, and uh, so we're, we're out every day, basically in the community with our community health workers or virtually. Maybe not as much uh, in person, although, you know, over the summer we did a lot of health fairs and stuff like that, but yeah. We were also involved in uh, food drives. Uh, uh, 
diaper drives. You know, there was so much need out in the community. We tried really hard not to say no to anybody ever. Um, uh, but there, you know, there is um, a, a plan. It's purposeful. We move it forward. We know who our audience is, and we go out and find That's great, Sue. And I want to ask you, because I, I, I've been meaning to ask you this uh, for, for a while. Look, you have a lot of experience. You're, you're well known in the community. You've done a lot of things. Um, what made you say, all right, Casa Maravilla, this is where I want to be. This is, this is the work that I want to do right now. It, it's an interesting thing. Um, I had been working with older adults for about five years. Um, when this opportunity came up at Alivio. And one of the things that was so fantastic about it was that when I started at Alivio, our senior programs were a couple of internists, which are very important. Um, but then the rest of it was the phone, the computer, and me. And so that gave us a lot of opportunity to listen to the older adults in the community, to see what it was that they wanted and needed, not to make any assumptions, and to work with them to build these programs in a way that makes sense for the community. You know, now I don't have to tell you, Alvaro, um, um, there are immense gentrification pressures happening in, happening in the community. We believe that what we do every day here helps to help people fight that a little bit every day by helping them keep money in their pockets so that they can continue to save, but also by being a critical service provider, not just of healthcare service, but a wellness program. Um, and, um, and we all know that um, the healthcare system is so difficult to, to navigate. It is so hard to understand. There are so many moving pieces that organizations like us, we need to be here to help orient people. Sometimes, um, you know, you assume, okay, here's your medical card, and then people don't know how to use it. They don't know what they're entitled to. You know, so that post-enrollment is also a critical piece, but, you know, there's more to wellness than not being sick. And so the programs that we do and um, the fantastic clinical and supportive team at Alivio, they'll work together to, to make what comes out bigger than the sum. Um, and, um, one of the things that, that we look forward to also is um, the Latino community in Chicago is not different than the aging community generally in the country or around the world. And so we're a community that is aging and quickly catching up to um, the um, majority community. So we know that uh, our caregivers are in uh, sometimes um, 
uh, in great straits, dire straits, um, trying to keep everything together for the older adult in their family, for their spouse, for their adult sons and daughters, and sometimes for their grandchildren. And yeah, me make one step, okay? <laughs> because uh, uh, I'm, I'm one of those examples. You know, we used to call this way back when I first started doing work with seniors, you know, the, the sandwich generation. Yeah, it's the club sandwich generation. Uh, there are lots of layers. Um, and that's going to be an important thing that we continue to, uh, to try and address the needs of that also aging population. Um, as, um, uh, as Latino older adults live longer in this country, their sons and daughters are living longer and are going to be, they're going to be needed to provide care for them. And how is that going to happen? How is that going to happen in a way that is culturally appropriate and meets the needs of both the caregiver and the person receiving care? Well, I loved I, I loved what you said about, you know, a couple of things, right? Um, in there in particular stick out. You know, one of them is is, you know, by providing services to to people in in communities that are changing, right? Um, that are gentrifying. I think that, you know, that, that's one of the things that I've always told uh, I've always said, right? People leave or people stay for a variety of reasons, right? Um, you know, yes, some people completely get priced out, but they also stay because there's good schools, because there's good organizations, because there's good uh, uh, social services, health, and, and all those things. So, you know, that I think is so important. That's an important point that, that you just made. And in you building out this, right, you, you, you said, you know, you, there you were, right? Um, it was you, a computer, and, you know, working on this. One of the things that you did, I very well was bring together, you know, some of those partnerships, right? So it, we talked a little bit about the resurrection project with, well, with the actual physical building of Casa Maravilla, but there you brought a wealth of of partnerships to um, the work that you do. Can you share just, you know, a, a couple of those? Sure. Um, and um, uh, Pulse Neighbors Community Council. Um, we work um, uh, in strong coalitions, um, the Healthy Communities, um, uh, I'm sorry, Healthy Illinois. Um, we, so before the pandemic, for example, uh, I had, uh, we had counselors, uh, benefits enrollment counselors at the um, uh, the Workers' Educational Society in Bridgeport, Alderman Gardiner's office in McKinley Park, the Back of the Arts Neighborhood Council, Epiphany Parish, the um, uh, the food pantry at Our Lady of Tepeyac, um, uh, the Latino Alzheimer's and Memory Disorder Alliance in Cicero, Solutions for Care in uh, North Riverside, Red Stickney Township. Um, and those are just the places, there were 12 of them, those are just the places that we were every week. In addition to that, we were out in the community telling people about our programs and services 
And, and because now a lot of the outreach programs fall under my supervisory umbrella at Alivio, there's lots of cross-pollination that is happening. So everybody knows where everybody is. Do you have these flyers? Do you have that? Do you have information about this? And we're constantly talking to each other. Um, and um, it, it, the other thing is, you know, um, I am a community organizer at heart. Um, and, um, and one thing that you know, if you're community organizers, you can't do it by yourself. You know, you have to have lots of people who have agreed to work with each other to get this thing done, all pulling in the same direction. Um, and building um, those partnerships, those alliances, those relationships um, is what is really important. And, you know, for people who are starting out, you know, there are some missteps along the way. Um, but at this point, um, I've been doing it for so many years, you know, you know, your reputation follows you and you follow your reputation. Uh, um, one of the things that I love about working at Anivio, and I say to this, uh, I say this to people all the time is, one is, you know, I have a tremendous amount of responsibility, but I have a good amount of autonomy. Um, I don't have to double check every little thing. Um, I can make some decisions on my own and sometimes Oh, I better tell Esther. <laughs> We're going to do this. Um, so, but that's important, having leadership that trusts you. Um, and one of the other things that, that for me is also, uh, has been very impactful is when I go to manager's meetings, a lot of the people who are sitting around the table look just like me. So that says something about leadership that is from the community, for the community, and we do it in a purposeful way. We do it intentionally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so let, let me come back to this idea of you can't do it alone. Um, so you have many wonderful partners. You've been talking about that. Um, but how about for people who are out there who are listening who may want to help? just help, volunteer in some way. Uh, what do you say to someone who wants to know how they can help out here? Just give us a call. Call us at 312-743-0493. We'll invite you in. We'll share a box meal and we'll introduce you to Alivio and to the Pilsen Satellite Senior Center Casa Maravilla. And also, um, you know, AARP has been an important partner in this. Um, uh, our our um, relationship has matured um, uh, and uh, and been strengthened. Um, uh, I'm happy uh, to see some of the things that are going on, and um, we are so excited to be uh, part of this year's um, fourth annual Caminando Juntos. Um, um, conference, which is a caregiver's conference, that this year, for the second year, will be uh, completely virtual. Um, and, uh, you know, and that happens to, thanks to the leadership of uh, 
uh, of the people on this call, but a lot of other people that have some experience working together now for years. And, and also at those conferences, we are there to talk to people who are interested in volunteering. Um, and, you know, there's, there's process, you know, we have legal things that we have to go through, but we're always happy to have great volunteers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as, as Sue mentioned, Alivio uh, is once again one of ARP's partners in running our annual bilingual caregiving oh. conference. It is Sunday, November 14th. Um, this is the fourth year ARP Illinois is partnering with Alivio Medical Center, and, and we are indeed thrilled um, to be working on this together. It is, as Sue mentioned, called Caminando Juntos, Walking Together uh, Caregiving Conference. Um, and so tell, tell us, uh, Sue, exactly what uh, Alivio, I think you mentioned a couple of things. What, uh, what is Alivio going to be doing at this conference? Right. So we are um, doing quite a bit of promotion for the conference. Um, I believe that we have a Facebook Live event with Anvaro. If, if that hasn't been set up, we can still do it, Anvaro. Um, um, our community health workers have a big presence on social media. Um, so we hope to drive a lot of people to the event. And this year, the committee thought that rather than doing a lot of things that were structured and more talk about Medicare, that it would be uh, interesting to try and do something that was really more uplifting and nurturing for the caregivers themselves. Um, so Yuri uh, Galvan, who is our manager for the community health workers, is going to be doing um, a session about physical activity, what you can do at home, how it helps improve your outlook, your life, how you feel better afterwards, those kinds of things, and answering questions as well. One of the things, um, Sue, that, that I absolutely love about the conference, right? Um, and, and this is something that came up uh, from many conferences is that people sometimes go and, and, and our folks that are that uh, speak only Spanish sometimes just sit there and they, you know, they're like, I, they can only take in certain, you know, a little bit. I understood this much of what they said, but but it was a nice trip. You know, our, our conference is completely flipped. Right. So we have it's in Spanish with translation into English. And I, I think that that's very unique because um, to the point that both of you have made, right? We have to treat people with dignity, no matter who they are um, and no matter where they come from or what language they speak. So we're looking forward to seeing people at uh, the fourth annual Caminando Juntos Caregiving Conference. And of course, you can register for the conference at aarp.org slash il. Again, that's aarp.org slash il. You know, we can talk uh, for a long time uh, about this, but I think it's uh, it's time for us to, to thank you and it's time for us to go. This has been an absolutely great conversation. Uh, very interesting, and more than anything, I want to say, I, I truly mean this, uh, very inspiring. We've been speaking with Esther Corpus and Sue Vega of the Alivio Medical Center here in Chicago. Thank you so much, Esther. Thank you so much, Sue, for 
being here with us. And I want to thank you, Rosana, for letting me be here and co-host with you. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Yep, and, and the pleasure has been all mine. Alvaro, please come back soon. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another edition of our second season of Creating the Good with AARP Illinois, where we talk with those who are making a difference in their community. Stay tuned for our next episode. We look forward to being with you again very soon. For more information on ways that you too can get involved in your local community, visit createthegood.org. Or to learn more, visit us at aarp.org forward slash IL. The opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the views of this station or network. We hope you'll tune in again next week for Creating the Good with AARP Illinois.